0: 630 Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630
1: Chad. Nugent Hopkins to win it. Between circles, shoots and scores! Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the winner for the Oilers in
2: overtime. Rolls to the left side. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson, inside the 10. Touchdown!
0: Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 champ.
2: Trade deadline coming up on Monday. Peter Chiarelli will give you a little bit of an indication of what he's hoping to accomplish. You'll hear various comments from him as he spoke to the media this morning at Rogers Place. He's staying in town. The Oilers have flown to Los Angeles. They'll play the Kings tomorrow. We'll have it for you on 6.30, Chad. 6 o'clock for the face-off show. The game will start at 8. Oilers trying to break a long drought in Los Angeles. Of course, last night... Spectacular game by the Oilers' stars as they beat the Avs in overtime. Benning will kick it to Drysaddle. Coming off the right half boards, creating space, high slot. Now he's open left circle, drag move, a beauty, a back
3: score!
1: Leon Drysaddle! What an exhibition of offensive prowess! Alex not to shoot. Pressure by Gerard, Then threw him aside to the net. Backdoor. What timer score? Connor McDavid ends the game. Leon Drysaddle for the second time tonight. A brilliant maneuver in the offensive zone. McDavid finishes and Edmonton wins three-two in home!
2: Dry Seidel with some brilliant individual moves, one to score, one to set up McDavid. And as we get into this trade deadline talk, we'll get to some comments Shirelli made about having three centers on the roster: Dry Seidel, McDavid, and Nugent Hopkins. Nugent Hopkins makes six million a year. Dry Seidel makes eight and a half. Starting next year, McDavid's salary shoots up to twelve point five million dollars. Can you pay three centers that amount of money? And and this ties into the trade deadline. You know, could Nugent Hopkins be available? It doesn't sound like it. That doesn't mean that he could uh, possibly be not be available in the summer around the draft or whatever. But here's here's my question to you, and we have discussed this off and on throughout the season. We talk about it with Rob Brown on overtime open line after games. Uh, if you want to text in to 630-630, if you feel like calling, I'm happy to talk to you, 780-496-0063. I'll put this out there as the question, uh, but you can you can talk about other stuff too if you want. But here's, here's the question we'll weave answer your answers to in and out of the show tonight. Are you at the point where you're just saying, to heck with it, play Leon and Connor together? They are one of the best duos in the league. Like, at worst, they're in the top four duos in the league. I think they have the second most goals together uh, of any duo over the last two seasons. Uh, I mean, are, we, are, are you at the point? Because I have always thought to myself, long term, you got to have those guys primarily as centers with the option to put them together if you need offense. Am I looking at it backwards? Have, have some of us been looking at it backwards? Should we actually be saying, no, 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 because this is what Rob thinks. You put the two best offensive guys together, and you tell the other team, we're going to try to get this line to eat you alive every night. And if they can score a couple of goals a game, then maybe our depth guys need one. Maybe we get a win out of this. So as the Oilers search for depth and speed... Would your approach be to search for depth and speed to help Dreisaitl and McDavid on their flanks? Or are we searching for depth and speed to help the other lines that don't have Dreisaitl and McDavid? Because when they are together, uh, they're pretty dynamic. And I I don't buy the argument, well, just because Dreisaitl's making a a, a lot of money, he can't play with McDavid. Uh, I mean, he's been a pretty good complement to McDavid. I think pretty good's an understatement. I think he's been an excellent compliment to McDavid. So that's that's one of the questions I present to you tonight. Has your opinion changed on how those guys are deployed after seeing them now for almost two full seasons on the same roster? Again, are you at the point where you just say, to heck with it? You don't need to find them wingers. You need to find them one winger and let them go to town. Because when they're on, they can chew up the opposition. And they've, uh, they did that last night, and obviously we've seen other games where they've done it over the past season and three quarters. We'll get to your phone calls in a second, 780-496-0063. Terry Jones from the uh, Edmonton Sun, legendary Edmonton sports reporter, leading off the scrum today with the question for Shirely, is, uh, is this a, a rebuild that he needs to do, or is it a remodel? Here's what Shirely answered.
0: We're not going to blow it up so if that's if that's the definition of remodeling then then um you know there's there's some areas that we have to tweak i've always felt that the margins are very small in this league and if if you're not within the margins you can be where we are and that's that's where we are um you know we're 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 looking for speed um uh, we hope to address that a little bit as far as prospects in return Uh, that's kind of the primary objective of this deadline i it's 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 tough sledding right now, so um, th- we can always get picks, but I prefer not to. But you never know where it's, that's going to go. As far as hockey deals, um, we're looking at a couple. I don't know where they sit right now. There's there's some kind of larger action going on right now, and and we're not in it. So, but so much happens in the course of two, three, four days. So we'll just be on top of it. Um, but back to your kind of your global question, we want to improve the speed. We have to obviously improve uh, uh, some other areas that I don't know if we'll be able to improve them in this trade deadline. But we're looking we're looking at it. We're looking at a lot of different things um, without blowing up the team.
2: All right. So he started and ended. We're not going to blow it up. Looking for speed. No doubt about that. Uh, prospects, and we'll get to the clip later on, but basically uh, Shirley hoping for prospects that could play now or, or very soon so younger players that can jump in and contribute, and of course the younger players are often cheaper. He said there are some hockey deals possible. He doesn't know where they sit, and he said there's some bigger stuff going on out there uh, that the Oilers aren't a part of and uh, he was asked as well about other players on his roster that might be sought after and we'll get more into that as uh, as we move along. Now of course you can get Shirley's full comments on the Oilers page on 630 shed.com and we'll go over some of the highlights here on the show. NHL action already underway Wild lead the Rangers 2-1 that's in the second period. Granlund with both goals for the Wild he's up to 17 on the season. The Penguins with a 1-0 lead on Carolina that's after 20 minutes. The Jets and Blues are scoreless early still to come san jose at chicago and vancouver at vegas the uh Derek broussard trade well it actually isn't a trade it hasn't happened a lot of rumors about some kind of a three-way deal between ottawa vegas and pittsburgh with Brassard winding up in pittsburgh that has not happened austin matthews according to the maple leafs out for a bit out for a bit with a shoulder injury. So they lose one of their top players for the next little while. All right, John's on the open line. We'll bring him in when we get back. All your Oilers discussion, courtesy of NISQ Ford, every model on sale every day. Niske Ford above expectations, you can get me at 780-496-0063. The text line is 630-630 inside sports on 630 Chat. I'm Eugen Hopkins from your Edmonton
4: Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad.
2: All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight, Inside Sports on 630 Chad, My name is Reed Wilkins, uh, Kelly Rudy, going to join us a little bit later on tonight, and time for your texts and phone calls as we get ready for our trade deadline coverage. few of the texts coming in. Uh, this person says, in the decade of darkness, the Oilers had wingers, tried to make them centers. Uh, now they have centers and they want to make them wingers. What are they doing? This texter says, even if Nuge was traded and Leon had his own line, they would still always go back to McDavid and Dreisaitl on the same line when desperate. So you're right, just pen Leon in as the first line, right winger for good. Focus on upgrading Lucic and Maroon's positions on the left side. And Sean says, uh, Reed, Leon and Dreisaitl, or pardon me, Leon and McDavid need to eventually have their own lines, but not yet. Only when they have the wingers split them up, but for now, have them blow up the other team. And then Sean says, new topic, if the Oilers win the lottery, do we trade it? Maybe for Austin Matthews? And then Sean says, uh, sorry, just channeling my inner Harold Ballard just now. Thank you, Sean. That's a good one. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. John is on line one. Hey, John.
4: I read. I, I would never suggest that you have
2: backwards thinking right
4: off the top. So if that was one of your questions, I would deny that. Uh, You know, the only way I can handle this hockey season is to recognize that it's been a one-off the whole season. Like, we started without Sakari, came back, he couldn't play. Leon had a concussion. Connor was a flu and ill and going half speed. Cleft bomb, upper body, lower body, poor performance. He still doesn't look right. And Talbot was missing in action till after Christmas. And then a horrific injury to Nuge, and then the horrific family tragedy with Larson's dad. I mean, th- those are just such major disasters. It's a coach's nightmare. I have all the faith in McClellan. But the, the forward lines were a fire drill. So were the defense combinations, and there wasn't anything they could do about it. And then people are criticizing Shirelli. I know for sure that Shirelli is at least three steps ahead of the rest of us. Or as uh, Elliot Friedman said, I only know less than 10% of what's really going on with all of these decisions. And I think Shirelli's kind of got a little bit of a, a riverboat gambler personality. I don't expect him to make a deal unless something really knocks his socks off. Uh, so. Uh, I just have to say, uh, watching the game last night, there were so, a lot of good things. Nurse and Larson played outstanding, and you understood why we traded for Larson, because, man, it, when he and Nurse take guys out, they stay out, and, and he had some outstanding hits, and that's why we got him. We didn't get him for a power play specialist. I like him, I think, and I think he's going to get better. So are they going to make a deal? I, I don't think so. The other thing that impressed me last night was Jesse Polarby and Slebachev, Man, they just got better as the game went on, Reed. And, you know, I'm looking forward to those guys uh, getting better. And we do have something on the farm. We have a couple of really good defensive prospects coming up. I mean, otherwise the farm is pretty bare. But I just thought, you know, uh, how can you deal with all of this and, and try to figure it all out. I don't. I don't think you can Reed. <laughs> so I. I don't expect any earth-shaking trades. But uh, as I said, Shirelli's uh, way ahead of the rest of, uh, of us, in my opinion. John, uh, how do you see it from a broadcaster's standpoint?
2: Well, yeah, I think you raised some points that I, I, I think there's a lot of hope that this year was the one-off and not last year. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, you're right. There are perhaps some unusual and unfortunate circumstances that it's unlikely they're going to repeat themselves. Having said that, they did happen, and, and several players didn't perform and, and check to the level and, and have a lot of details like they did last year. Um, now, Shirelli said he's not going to blow it up. That doesn't mean that an important young player doesn't get traded at some point, just maybe not not at the deadline. I, I mean, I, I still think there's some valid criticism to be leveled against Shirelli, specifically with the forwards. Um, but, but I understand what you're saying. I mean, I think there's, I don't think the special teams are going to be both last next year. Talbot's showing signs of getting his back to game together. So from the optimistic point of view, sure, there's definitely some hope that this might be the one-off as opposed to last year. Thanks, John.
4: Okay, I'm looking forward to the football season, Reed.
2: Good, I know. I'll talk to you then, too. Thanks, John. John at 780-496-0063. Rocket is calling in as well. Hey, Rocket. Hey,
3: Reed, how you doing? Doing quite well. That's good. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I agree that there were some uh, some early injury issues and, you know, flus and sicknesses, and I certainly think that uh, contributed to, to a poor start. But I think the last caller is wrong when, when he says you shouldn't blame Shirelli. Most NHL teams go through injuries, and it's the teams that have the depth to get through it. And we didn't that succeed, and we didn't we didn't have that depth. That depth was based on on a gamble by Shirelli that certain individuals would pan out this year, and that didn't happen.
2: Uh, yeah. No, and I, and I and that's and to me the 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 crux of my criticism of Shirelli is at the forward position. I, I think it I, I think it would have been. I understand they knew Secura would have been out, but all you would have I mean to get more depth on D you would have got another Johanna Vitu or signed Cody and You wouldn't have got somebody as good as Secura. So to some extent you had to suck that up. Could have he found more forward depth? Try to find a little more speed, as opposed to relying on Kajula, Slepeshev, Pula Puliyarvi, Kara, maybe Yamamoto. I mean, there were a lot of big question marks there. That unfortunately, the answer came out on the, the unhappy side of the ledger. That's how that's how I that's how I would sum up my criticism of Shirelli. Like in in a couple sentences. Thanks, Reed. Okay. See you, Rocket. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Uh, this texter says, uh, how many minutes did Yakupov play last night? Archaeology guy sure doesn't tweet about his performance anymore. Well, there's a shot at somebody from the blogging community. Uh, Matt Henderson, prominent uh, writer in the blogosphere, big Yakupov supporter. Y- Yakupov played six and a half minutes last night. I thought he was awful, quite frankly. His game has not progressed since he left the Edmonton Oilers. It's unfortunate to see. Because there's skill there, and there's a there's a good human being there, uh, but there's a, a hockey player who really struggles with the basics of hockey, unfortunately. Cal writing in says, uh, "Hey, Reed, I love watching Connor and Leon on the same line. They have great chemistry together. I would love to see Cassian playing with Connor and Leon. Uh, I don't know why, but he very seldom seldom gets a shot to play with Connor. I think he'd be better than Maroon or Lucic because he's faster, better in the corners, and he can score." When you're playing on the fourth line all the time with only limited ice time, there is not much time for improvement to show his skills. Uh, He should be on the first line. Uh, Give him a chance. I think he would fit in nicely. Cal, I've heard that a lot in a tough season. Uh, You know, I've kind of made the joke you could put the lines in a hat and draw them. And I know he has some good shifts. I just don't don't think overall Cassian's puck skills are first line quality. But yeah, he could sure bang and crash, that's for sure. Goodfella says uh, after John's call, what's going on, Reid? A caller who made sense and didn't play the blame game? I must be in bizarro world. Oh, you are. It's inside sports, baby.
4: This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet.
2: Cam Talbot looking much better his last four games. The Oilers are back at it tomorrow against the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, You know what's interesting, speaking of the LA Kings, they have had a lot of great players in their history. Obviously, they've won a couple of Stanley Cups. They uh, went to the Stanley Cup final back in uh, 1993. And uh, I know that it was yesterday, in 1989, the Los Angeles Kings acquired Kelly Rudy from the New York Islanders. And as I pointed out on Twitter to Kelly, biggest (laughs) player acquisition in Kings history, right?
3: I would say so. I don't even think it's close. I know there was a guy traded there in the summer of 88 that... Had maybe a little bit more popularity, but I don't know if he had the impact on uh, hockey in California that I had.
2: That's right. That's right. You really, you really <laughs> turned everybody on to the sport. Uh, the blue chiffon did a lot. Uh, you know, you had a unique mask. Certainly, your charisma and personality. You saved I, hockey in that market.
3: Well, not only saved it, Reed, but if you think of my legacy, it's because of my going to California that San Jose Sharks are now in the league and. The Anaheim Ducks and uh, hockey is considered in some places in California a hockey hotbed. So, I know again there's that guy number 99 that maybe had some some sort of impact, but I think people give him way too much credit for, for what he did down in California.
2: Well, like like they say, you know, uh, offense gets the headlines, but goaltending wins championships. And oh wait, well, that's, you, why, you, that's you, why. That's you, why. That's <laughs> why we
3: never won. <laughs>
2: Cause, well, the the thing, the thing is, though, Kelly, just just your luck. When you made the Stanley Cup final, the, the best guy of your era was at the other end. So just your luck, right?
3: Well, you know what? But uh, more than anything, I think – and Patrick was amazing. But I think they're, they did have some sort of uh, destiny or fate on their side when you consider that they won all those consecutive uh, overtime games. And I'm not being flippant or I'm not taking away anything – about their their game and their abilities, but that just doesn't happen, and it hasn't happened since. I mean, every single time we'd go into overtime against the Canadians in that final, and we lost three of them consecutively. I was the most upbeat guy in the world, thinking, "Well, of course it's that that streak is going to end now." It's, odds are just in our favor, right. and odds usually do uh, even out. I mean, that's just how life and sports really usually ends up, and so for some freakish reason they were able to win what would they win 10 or 11 consecutive overtime they, games in those playoffs
2: they this is the thing and i remember because you know i I've, I've always kind of liked like the canadians probably more so when i when i was younger i watched them and the oilers the most so yeah. i remember that that playoff they the, the canadians played 20 playoff games so that's it cuz they didn't they only lost 4 i think uh, Eleven of them went to overtime, and they won ten. Uh, then they okay. won their last ten in a row. They lost yeah. their very first. I think the very first okay. game against Quebec, they gave up two goals in the final two minutes for Quebec to tie it, and then Quebec okay. won in overtime. And then and they right. tie, and they obviously tied the game against you guys on the goalie out and the infamous stick. But you're, but, but that's the thing, Kelly. Any team that wins a championship. Can usually point to a play, a game, or sometimes more than one over a two-month run, where you say, like, well, you know what, that was a fifty-fifty game, and we got a bounce, or we got outplayed, and we got a crossbar, or our goalie made an incredible. I mean, that's, I mean, you guys, you guys had to get them just to reach the final that year.
3: That's that's one hundred percent right. I, I know people uh, sometimes sometimes don't like to uh, hear the word lucky, but. I think everybody will tell you at some point you've had to have the odd lucky break along the way. I even say just for myself, even uh, making the NHL, there are a number of lucky breaks along the way. And and if you don't, I think if you don't acknowledge that, then you're not really being fully truthful about just how, you, I guess, strange or unique the path is just to get there. It's, uh, it takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of uh, composure and mental toughness. But along the way, you need the odd good break.
2: And and I know a caller called in last half hour, and he said I he, he is, his name's John. He calls in often about the Oilers and the Eskimos, really passionate Edmonton fan, and he actually made the point that he's quite optimistic about next season. Don't rip the team apart. He went through the injuries, the tragedy yeah. with Adam Larson's father. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, and I under I, I do think the Oilers deserve their record, but I do understand to some extent the argument. Um, that there have been some unusual things that likely won't repeat themselves. But when you have seen it go this bad, I understand yeah. why why fans are – and Shirelli does have to make some changes here.
3: Yeah, well, anytime you're losing, you have to make changes because you're not making progress. So uh, especially when you look at the season they had last year and what the hopes were, uh, the reasons for optimism. I mean, there are so many things that uh, when you go back to last year that would have given you the reason to say – Safely, even if not everybody had the same sort of years they had last year or career years, that uh, we are still going to be making progress in, in, in some way. And that just hasn't happened this year
2: at all. Kelly, Rudy joining us here on Inside Sports. Uh, okay, I want to I get to you about a, a connection you have to the Olympics, but let's just stick with the Oilers here. We've talked a lot about Talbot this season, and I mean, talk about extremes. He's one of the top five goalies in the league last year and now in terms of starters he's bottom five if not bottom three uh but better lately uh and i mean (laughs) loses one nothing in arizona makes 42 saves and loses to boston uh, but got a couple of wins like over colorado along the way if he plays well the final 20 games does that mean anything for next season or is that just window dressing on a tough year
3: yeah, when you sent me that text, I was thinking about it. I was just getting on the plane, and I was thinking, uh, you know, uh, the side of me that wants to go that it's very important uh, because of where he was, I guess maybe three weeks ago when you and I had this conversation about where he was mentally and yep. and how it looked like uh, where he was uh, in relation to last year. Like He looked really beaten up and defeated, and he didn't have much fight in him. And so to start to come back and play better again now, I, I do think it means something. Now, I, I'm going to turn it around just a little bit. On, on a whole, though, if a team has a bad so – I'll give you a real a perfect example so it's not like just in general terms. For many years when I played out in the uh, 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 Patrick division, uh, one of the teams out east, they weren't in our division, but we played them fairly often, that's Hartford. And Hartford was not a very good team. They struggled often. But it seemed like every year the last 15, 20 games they get on a bit of a roll and it would always be, oh, wait till next year. And, and next year never happens that way. It just, I just don't think there's any carryover usually from having a terrible year to having a, a good finish and, and uh, jump starting into the next season. My history has been that I, I, I've almost never seen that happen. But individually, I think it is important. And I think there are many cases that you can point to, whether a guy just had a slump in this part of the season or maybe he missed the uh, majority of the season through injury. It was really important to get back and play some games and play at a high level and get some confidence back so that when you get back to practicing in the summer and then ultimately back uh, with the guys in September, that you've got a real good mental frame of mind going. So so my answer to that is that, yeah, I think it is important to tell that he starts to play
2: really well, even if they, they have no chance of making the playoff. Kelly, Leon Dreisaitl was outstanding last night. At, not not to take anything away from McDavid, but I mean, you've seen some games where maybe McDavid's got more points or bigger goals, but Dreisaitl's really been the engine. Yep. It's an ongoing debate in this city. I've often said I, I wish they could both be centers long-term with the option to put them together. Now I'm starting to wonder, and Rob Brown has said it from the beginning, he'd play them together all the time and, and, and then just put the rest of the lines together as, as best you can. And I was saying off the top of the show that I, I'm starting to think maybe the default position should be them together uh, as opposed to apart. It, it it's it, this isn't a bad debate to have, I don't think, because they're they're both they're both really good. How do you see it? What what do you think uh, gives other teams bigger problems together or apart? Uh,
3: I first of all, I think that it would be if I were in that organization. Uh, I think it would be almost a, a daily discussion. I'd be talking to the managers, the coaches, and like what is best. And then it would be a uh, ever changing target because you can everybody can bring up good reasons for both points. Um, personally, I just think that they're absolutely dominant together. But I, In a perfect world, I'd like to have us uh, be able to uh, separate them so we have more depth and that they have players that can play with them and that they make us equally as dangerous. That hasn't been the case because they didn't get the, the depth that they're hoping for this year, but I mean, you've got to say that maybe of all the two guys together, they might be as dangerous or as scary as any uh, in the National Hockey League. And So, I mean, I'm just... I can't take my eyes off them when they're on the ice together. That's how compelling it is. But, boy, if you had uh, three top tenors with uh, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and uh, Nugent Hopkins, I mean, you're in great position, and you should dominate.
2: Well, and that's why I, I... I mean, look, I guess I can never say never because a hypothetical trade could be a good one for the Oilers, but I, I would not trade Nugent Hopkins. Like, like I know you, you're paying all three of those guys a lot. I know people have been texting me and saying, you can't pay a right winger $8.5 million if that's where Leon plays... But I don't know if he's a right winger who gets almost a point a game with a guy getting o- over a point a game. Like, why can't you have them together? And then and then Nugent Hopkins is, is your other center. Or maybe he plays wing sometimes. I mean, who knows what could happen down the road. I mean, I, I tough that Nugent got hurt. That was another one of the bad breaks. But, yeah, man, I'd, I'd love to have all three of those guys on the team here for a
1: while.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. And because of their age, too. Uh, Nugent Hopkins has been around for... I don't know how many years, and I believe he's only 24 years old, if I'm not mistaken. So you're talking about uh, when you look at the three of them together, man, are you ever set up for the future?
2: Kelly Rudy joining us on in Inside Sports. All right, we former Los Angeles King and a former teammate of yours, Rob Stauber, now gold medal coach of the U.S. women's uh, hockey team. What can you tell us about Rob?
3: Well, first of all, I'm super happy for him, and I am going to reach out to him because uh, – I had many great partners uh, in my time, New York, L.A., and San Jose, and Rob was just uh, right at the very top. I just loved uh, working with him and uh, becoming friends with him. He's a really uh, uh, great guy, he's a great soul. Um, the one thing that uh, you learn about Rob is he's a really thoughtful guy, so I'm not surprised that he had this kind of success. He's been one of the great educators in our game also since retiring, so I've, I've followed him. Uh, what he's been up to, I run into him every once in a while. I can't say it's very often, but every once in a while we bump into each other. And the work he's been doing with his uh, goalie camps and hockey uh, camps, and so on. And I know he gives lots of talks and so on. It's uh, it's really great to see a former teammate having all sorts of success. And and you know the thing is, when you have success at that stage, I'm really hoping that if if he's interested, that it's going to give him another chance to. Uh, continue his progress and climb the ranks and uh yeah i'm just super thrilled with him you know that's one thing about this game especially i guess when you get older reed you start to think about uh some of the relationships you had and the importance they had in your life and i think of rob i think of another guy that's had tremendous success tony granado doing uh, amazing things uh, in the hockey world and it doesn't matter where you're from uh it doesn't matter if you're canadian american swedish it just doesn't matter to me if you're a good guy and uh, you take care of the right things, and you do the right things, and you're helpful, and you help uh, the hockey community and the community in which you live in, man alive. Do I ever have a lot of respect for you.
2: Yeah. All right, Kelly, uh, before I let you go, how's Maverick, your, your grandson? That was the, our, our big topic last week. You ha- did you have to leave him behind here for a couple of days?
3: I did. I, I was able to get back home again last weekend for uh, two nights, and then I had to leave again Tuesday to follow the flames around. I know Euler fans won't be very happy, but uh, because my uh, relationship with the Flames, uh, much to my surprise, my wife sent me the uh, pictures. The Flames sent out a beautiful little gift package for Maverick with a his a, a, a name on the back of the jersey and a whole bunch of things. So, if, I hope nobody's offended because I'm not caring for either team, but you, there may be pictures of Maverick in the upcoming future in planes here. So I'm just just being honest, just saying.
2: Hey, that's no problem. Kelly, thanks for checking in tonight. I know you had to travel today. Always fun to have you on the show. Trade deadline's going to be fun. We'll do this again next week, buddy. Okay, thanks, Reid. Take care. Kelly Rudy checking in tonight with the NHL on Rogers. You see him on Hockey Night in Canada and, of course, former goalie in the NHL with the Kings, Sharks, and Islanders. And some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Now open Wednesdays. Don't miss the five-course, five-bench creek brewing beer dinner on March 5th. Tickets are just 50 bucks. More details at NorthChickenYEG.com. All right, uh, a couple people might have been calling in there before. Kelly, if you want to jump in on the open line, 780-496-0063. We'll get to a couple of your text messages as well, the 630-630. I'll update the NHL scoreboard. All coming up inside sports on 630 Chat.
0: This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. <laughs>
2: On a Friday night, you're going to dust off that Van Halen 2 tape when you get home, aren't you? I know what you're thinking out there, Trucker Dave. John texting in. He says, uh, Reid, for years the Oilers were a team that had good lines 2 through 4, but no first line, and would usually lose in the first round. So John's going way back to the late 90s, early 2000s. Since the Oilers drafted Hall, had a good first line, but no lines two through four. And we've been in the lottery most often. So the problem with our team is quite obvious. And John's saying, uh, well, I I'm mean, impl- I think he means it's the depth. And we have talked about that and the, the, the draft picks that have not worked out after the first rounders. After the, maybe not obvious guys, but after the high picks. Okay, you're taking Hall say again. Fine, you can debate each one. The Oilers had a good player. Nuge, Landeskog, Larson that year. Okay, whatever. You got, you got a good player. Uh, Pula Yarvi, Kachuk, uh, Sir- I mean, well, I guess Sergeyev would have been great, but whatever. Like, you got good guys up top. Who are you getting after the first round? Virtually nobody that at least has been able to help offensively. Adam from the Hat texting in. Adam, thank you for listening. He says, hey, Reed Shirelli has made his gambles, but the depth of the organization is only partially his doing. And he made college signings to get prospects that McTavish never found good signings. It will take three years for his picks to come to fruition. And I think he's made good draft decisions. Hopefully he's able to hang on for a couple years longer to truly prove himself. He needs inexpensive depth, not free agent frenzy players. We all knew Hall was a good player. Shirelli knew that as well. The market determines the return, and Larson is a heck of a blue liner who is young and cheap. The fan base also knew we needed to improve the D and stop the bleeding. Hopefully we can move on from that trade. It's exhausting to listen to the arguments. If the team isn't competitive by game 20 next year, coaching change. If the Oilers miss the playoffs next year, GM change. Those are the thoughts of Adam from the hat texting 63630. 780-496-0063. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Reg is standing by.
1: Good evening, Reg. Hey, uh, how you doing? Reed? Good. Uh, really like your show. I certainly love it when you have guys like Kelly Rudy on there. He, he's uh, one of my favorites. Cool. Uh, I just like to say that uh, you know when two players click, I think you, you have to keep them together title uh, McDavid, I think it's a, it's a win-win situation if you keep those guys together. Um, and Nugent Hopkins, I would never trade that guy. Maybe you need to find somebody who clicks with him for the Alliance. For uh, but uh, to get rid of him it would be a big, big mistake as far as I'm concerned.
2: Reg, would your center, if, if you're running the team, would your centers next year be McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, Strome, and Kara in that order?
1: Absolute. well i don't know absolutely i mean what you need to do is mix up the lines maybe get some new guys in and, and maybe one of those guys may click with with mcdavid you know mix it up but right now i think dry is a guy reg thanks for calling buddy thank you sir
2: all right and we got a minute here before the break for scott scott thanks for calling
1: Hey, Reed. I uh, I heard Kelly Rudy's comments about the last 20 games of the season, and uh, I wanted to challenge him on something actually because my first thought was Tampa Bay. They brought up how Tampa Bay in the last like. You know, and, and you'd, you'd have to look it up, but I bet you their last, there's something their last 20 games. It was something was like
2: 26 and four, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But and they th- they were better to begin with because they wound up with like 92 points, I think.
1: No, I know they missed the playoffs by like two points. I understand that, but I mean, like he said, he's never seen a team transition that into a good season to start. And, oh, I see what, you
2: what know, you're saying. Okay.
1: You know, and and Tampa Bay just did it last year, so I think 20 the last 20 games are pretty important, actually.
2: Uh, I'm just double checking it here. I just brought yeah, up there.
1: And, and, and I get I get his point in the sense that like he's, he's never seen it really transition, and it's not often. But I think Tampa is a great example of where you know you you bang off you know even 15 and five in your last 20, and uh, and you know maybe you build on something for next year, right? Yeah,
2: and, yeah. Tampa you know, went 26 and four over their last yeah. 30 games to get up to 94 points.
1: And 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 how'd they start this season?
2: <laughs> yeah yeah fair enough
1: yeah. thanks scott thanks reed
2: okay quick time out for the news here inside sports on chad more from shirelli and more of you when we get back 6 30 chad inside sports with reed wilkins
0: weekdays at six on 6 30 chad